When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, brought to you by the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. That's right. Make sure you stop over at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash chair shot and invest in a chair shot shirt. We have all kinds of great swag there for you to choose from, and it helps keep us on the airwaves every single day of the week. I am joined with a smaller bandwagon this week. I'm back. You know, I just I, I decided to come back for another day. I might, guys, I might actually be on for, get this, two shows in a row. This could happen. It is possible. It has happened before. It might happen again. What are the odds we have a musical chairs and a Greg DeMarco show this week? It has happened before. And it <laughs> might happen again. I I completely forgot about it. I, here's the thing, noble listener. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pull the curtain all the way back. I prioritize my family obligations over anything else that I'm going to do, whether it is a podcast. Like, I love these guys. I, I do. Uh, well, except for Ray, but he's not here anyway. So, you know, I, I kind of like you Ray. Should, he's okay. Just, just, just boo him out of principle. I mean, he literally said, I don't feel like it today for the podcast. So I, that's fair. Now, 
it could be a lot of different things. Who knows? I hope everything's okay with Ray. Sometimes, you know, the, the, we're not, we don't have it sometimes. And today was probably one of those He's days. He's up but, too late looking no, at TikTok videos. That's the thing. No, I, I just, but, but to call a spade a spade, like I do, I, pro, I prioritize a lot. Like this for me is a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy doing it thoroughly. I, I just, I, I will prioritize bowling tournaments because I'm going to make money if I win a bowling tournament straight up. I want a bowling ball this week. Like I want a bowling ball that prices out at 200 bucks for a $10 raffle. So I came out ahead, like new ball. That's a benefit. My, it was a doubles tournament. My partner did not bowl particularly well. I bowled okay, but my partner did not do so well. And so that's why we didn't cash, but I still want a bowling ball. So that's a win. Um, if my kid is like, I want to do this thing, I'm going to go with the kid every time. And those are the things that happens. Or, you know, when it comes to why why there was no Greg DeMarco show this week, I had agreed to do something with a family that was going to go into our time. I think it was funny. Greg tried to be like, but you're on Skype right now. And I was like, no, I just never shut Skype off on my laptop, dude. <laughs> like, it just always says I'm on. Like, it's fine. So anyway, all that is to say, I am happy to be here this week. I am happy to, uh, what? I, I, I appreciate you. I said, I got it under control. Like, it's all good. I, I was just giving you our. I, I like. I know. I like what we're doing here. I, I like what the. I like what the team does. Uh, as your tribal chief, uh, I, I appreciate that you hold down the fort. You're a very fine, uh, wise man, David Ongar. And did we did we say you were solo or did we say that you were uh, J- Jimmy? It's your dream here, not mine. I mean, I think you're more of a solo Sokoa at this point because you're just unwavering in your loyalty to the show. Is that, is that, Smile, he that, smiles too much, though. That's your interpretation of me. Excellent. You're the enforcer. You keep this show going. So anyway, we do have a great show this week, even though we are Sans Ray. We are going to cover uh, the penultimate episode of Ahsoka. I'm going to say season one based on where we're going right now. Because this certainly feels like there's a season two in our future with Ahsoka. We do have a, a trailer park, late addition to the trailer park. I'll, I'll pull the curtain back on that with a trailer that dropped on Saturday that I was able to add last minute to our rundown before we go into some news. And then our long national writer's strike nightmare is over. Uh, our long national actor's strike is, is not over, but halfway there. And so we're going to talk all about the Writers Guild plus another branch of the actors guild voting to go on strike should last minute talks not fall through we'll talk about it when we get to the other side of our second break but mostly good news this week out of the entertainment industry significant stuff more to come i hope but before we do any of that let's one i haven't welcomed the the rest of the panel so we we are of course joined by the lawyer himself the wise man of the bandwagon david ungar Dave, we um, we're here on Kayfabe Monday. We're recording on actual Sunday. You uh, you were busy on Saturday though. You were you were out and about watching a little wrestling, and so I'm going to give you a rare opportunity to talk about your experience at the premium live event that was No Mercy on this past Saturday. Yes, that was a uh, one hell of a show, Tony. I don't know if you got a chance to see it yet, but um, oh, here he comes. The mic is down. I consumed another medium. Alcohol? 
No, another medium. <laughs> I went and saw a movie. Oh, that's right. You, oh, yeah. I know. I know what movie you yeah. said. We're going to talk about that. All right. I'm ask yeah, I got that, you. So. I got you. No, I'm saving that for. I'm hoping he'll talk about it at the end of the show. I, what you watching? Yeah, I thought. Show, so. I thought New, No Mercy was tremendous. I thought, as far as the NXT shows, the PLE since the rebrand, this was probably the best one from top to bottom, and not just because I was there. But uh, and I told I know on this kayfabe, you know, Pat and I talked about this on Musical Chairs as well uh, about <laughs> Brian Alvarez's spoilers, stupid comment that he made that Brian Alvarez said it's a tremendous match, but it was arguably too dangerous. And so many people jumped down his throat because, yeah, he always goes on and on about how great AEW is. And like they literally like shove barbecue skewers in John Moxley's head at all in. But yet. Dragonoff and Carmelo Hayes was too dangerous, air quoting dangerous. Uh, it was a tremendous match, very intense. I don't know anything was dangerous. Um, and Becky and Tiffany Stratton was great. Tiffany even bled in that match a little bit. So that's gonna get that's gonna get some views even more. So um, what's that, Tony? You're mouthing something. Oh, okay, we're good. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was a great show from top to bottom. Uh, good match after good match. I mean. It's, it was really, um, you know, and they have sold out. I mean, so that arena in Bakersfield is probably good. 8,000 people. I mean, sold all the way up. So it was, uh, it was tremendous. We had, uh, the seats right next to like where they were all the run-ins that were happening that we were like literally right next to the place where people were coming. So we were watching like some guy was directing traffic with security there. And he would, every time he would clear the runway and clear everybody out of the way, you knew somebody was going to come in and like. My nephew-in-law was there with me. He doesn't watch any of this stuff, but he went because my wife didn't want to go. And uh, like the first guy ran, he's like, who is that? Some bus boy? I'm like, it looks kind of like a bus boy. And then Gallus came in at the end. I was like, no, those guys are actually okay. But yeah, great event, man. Lots of fun. Excellent show. Very pleased with uh, where NXT is is heading right now. Cool. All right, kids. There is your wrestling talk for all of Van Wagon Nerds. That's it. Since I can't escape it. Yeah, I, I try. I try. I try to stop it, but I just can't. Anyway, uh, Tony, PC Tony, Mister Saturday Night here as well. Like I said, I'm going to make you save your movie going experience for the end of the show. When we get to what you're watching. But uh, how how was your weekend? Was it good? Yeah, good weekend. Nice three day weekend off of work. Um, almost started Gen V as well, but just didn't have time. So. But, um, oh, that's right. That did start. Yeah. We'll, we'll, to, uh, we'll get to the creator later. I've had two people come to me and tell me Gen V is like, <laughs> it's the boys. You can tell it's the boys. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see when I get to it. That's that's part of the problem with, you know, the conversation you guys had last week's show. I I don't have it in my calendar to get too many shows going. And you guys talking about three shows at one 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 Brand, hit. I don't, I don't know, man. Tribal Chief. So, I do. Should we bring it up now, or did you plan to talk about it later? No. But what about next week? Well, with uh, Loki and the finale of Ahsoka, are we doing one time, one week? We'll we'll do it one time, one week with those two shows since they're overlapping. But then we'll just be in full on Loki, and I would prefer to I would prefer to keep it at that, and maybe do something where we talk about Gen V as a whole down the road or something like that. So, anyway. Um, Tony, since you brought it up, I, before we before before we go into that transition, actually, I do want to talk about my weekend. I took the little O down to the oh, yeah, Eastern went, yeah. State Exposition, affectionately known as the Big E. Um, in New England, the New England states don't have their own state fair. 
it is a basically a combined state fair with the six states of New England. So Maine, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Vermont, and Connecticut. All six states converge on Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, this huge fairground. Each state has a state building, like a representative of their state capitol building that is at one end of this park or at the end of this fair. And then everything else is just traditional state fair stuff. And this all came about, says the little doubt, one day out of the, out of nowhere, decided that he wanted to attend the Big E. Now, mind you, this kid has never brought this up, never talked about it. And then just one day was like, I kind of want to go. And I'm like, but why, though? He's like, ah, because, you know, other people have talked about it. I was like, all right, I'll see. Mrs. O'Dowd didn't want to go because we're going to have to go on a weekend. And weekends on a, on a state fair thing uh, can be a bit much. This is a three-week event, by the way. It's our three-weekend event. So it's three weekends with, you know, two weeks of fair going sandwiched in between. We went on the last possible uh, Saturday of the fair. And thanks to some spotty weather, crowds were down. and. Basically, the little O'Dowd just wanted to eat his way across the the Big E. And so we tried. Uh, we, we didn't really try any sort of exotic foods. There were some things out there that you could have gotten. Uh, pickle food was like a big thing this year for some reason. Like people were talking about a pickle, a pickle donut. And I'm like, I don't really need a pickle donut. That's fine. Uh, a lot of other stuff that involved like pickle juice or whatever. But the little O'Dowd, we, we first stop was we... We were in the New Hampshire State Building, and he got some homegrown New Hampshire corn on the cob. Just a very boring, traditional corn on the cob. But he housed that thing in a matter of seconds and was like, this was an excellent first choice. Yes. He goes section. He goes whole round. Then he goes across to the to the next round. Like, he doesn't go across and then turn it. Non-typewriter. He, I, he was not a typewriter, if I if I do recall. I didn't watch that closely. Um, he did say that uh, it was it was excellent corn on the cob, though, so I was pleased with that. Then we made our way over to the Rhode Island building. Or, I'm sorry, no. Then we made our way over to the Vermont building, where there was a company that specializes in fancy marshmallows that was doing, like, gourmet s'mores. And so he got himself a, a fancy s'more from the Vermont building. Uh, a beautiful sandwich. They did the whole blowtorch to brown it sort of thing. It was, it was very delightful. Before we made our way over to Rhode Island, where we got cinnamon roasted cashews, which are a personal favorite of mine from this candy kitchen. Massachusetts was where he was truly excited because there was this burger booth that was selling waffle bacon, um, bacon cheeseburgers. And he was he was stoked. He was stoked. We buy this bacon, this waffle bacon cheeseburger, which is literally what you would. It's a bacon cheeseburger sandwich between two waffles. He took he ate. It was the size of a full burger. He ate half of it before he was like, I this I don't like it. And here's why. Because he, he was like a food critic. And I was very proud of him because he was like, the waffle is too sweet. He's like the the waffle was he was like there's too much sugar and not enough burger for the flavors they did not he actually said they didn't complement each other very well that the syrupy sugary flavor of the waffle overpowered the bacon cheeseburger piece therefore it was a thumbs down for the little o'dowd so they, they added syrup to the waffle and put it on the burger. Well, yeah it was like a McRid- it was like a mcgriddled waffle oh. would so be how best. i would describe it 
the the best hangover sandwiches I've had at at local pubs, you know, are are usually with chicken and not burger, and then it's usually supported with a aioli, so like a mayonnaise and syrup mixture. So it's more, it's kind of got that kind of cool, you know, that not not cool. Uh, what am I trying to think of? Uh, Savory, Miracle Whip flavory taste. I was going to say it, Cool Whip, sure. honey. I was like Cool Whip. Sweet. But you also need to have, in, including like some barbecue sauce to cut that too on the on the spicy side. So that's kind of where I think the bacon didn't stand out, and what not much of a burger. That's too bad. And the waffle looked huge. I saw the picture, so the ratio didn't right. look great. Yeah, it was it was not the strongest effort uh, by that place, and, and we will not be trying that again. However, we did salvage the experience and got the protein worked out when we made our way over to the smoked turkey leg area of the fair not associated with the state just giant turkey leg smoked turkey leg a little o'dowd and i shared that and that was an enthusiastic thumbs up from the little o'dowd before we washed it all down with a lemonade shake-up and kids if you ever go to a fair the best tasting lemonade shake-ups come from the stand shaped like a lemon don't go for the pretenders get the contenders that's all I'm saying. So I just realized I know, right? your description of the Big E is like Epcot Center walk that you do around all the different countries. Yeah, it's like a state showcase instead of a world showcase, and they're you know they're still and they're trying to sell you like cheap shit. <laughs> like we we did. I I mean I did probably my personal favorite thing about going to a state fair is there's always there's always a couple of booths you can always look forward to of people trying to sell you shit. There's somebody who's going to try to sell you a shitty vacuum cleaner and they're doing demos, vacuuming up shit left and right. There's somebody selling Cutco knives and they're cutting tin cans and shit right there in front of everybody. There is somebody selling um, pots and pans, like the nonstick, like they'll show you that whole thing off. But my personal favorite is the chamois guy. There's always a dude at the fair selling chamois and there's always like seven dads who are walking out with just fucking armfuls of chamois and let me tell you something kids those chamois ain't special they are just chamois but somebody like this dad he believes that the big e brand of chamois they can only get at the big e comes out dropping like seven hundred dollars stack of chamois this big he's like i'm set for the year he's walking out he is happy and, and that guy is wasting his money but hey it's fun. You're at the fair. If you want to buy a bunch of shitty chamois that you can get a fucking, you know, O'Reilly Auto Parts for half the cost, do your thing, man. Do your thing. Get your chamois. You get your chamois. And that, my friends, was the biggie. What I want to go, I want to go on a Sunday. I wanted to go this Sunday because they're doing a 90s musical review and having like, it's like fucking vanilla ice and like, um, God, uh, one of the, like, I, not run DMC, but like shit like that. It looked like a great time and I'm going to miss out on it. So, uh, yeah, that was my, that was my weekend fellas and totally worth the 20 minutes it took to get into all of that, uh, before we head into some Ahsoka talk. Cause we, we do have the pent ultimate episode of Ahsoka. And before we can do that, uh, I know Tony set the bar and Dave had to, had, had to follow up. And so, you know, we looked to Dave, to cue us a little bit of uh, Ahsoka music in post-production. Dave, if, if you please.
Thank you, Dave. I'm assuming that music was on point and wonderful. You are so assuming, I believe correct? You. you are assuming. I know it. So I, I only I only DM'd one thing to anybody about this episode of Ahsoka, and that was that this was probably the fastest moving episode of the series for me personally because it was basically action from the get go. Like it was it was Grand Admiral Thrawn. Sending Balin Skull after uh, Sabine and I almost called him Kylo. That was really embarrassing. Ezra, oops, I ran Sabine, ran Kylo, ran. We haven't really talked about that yet. That I mean, I'm not saying they're related because they're not, but still. Um, but it, you know, we get we we get Ahsoka arriving, uh, making her way onto the planet. We had her confrontation with Balin Skull. Uh, that was was. Long but brief, if that makes sense. Like in the program, it seems like that fight was going on longer than it was, but because they were doing the kind of the classic Star Wars cutaway between that action and the troopers that were sent by Grand Admiral Thrawn to help the Raiders and um, I keep forgetting her name. What's her name, Dave? The the apprentice. Oh, Shin. Oh, Shin, uh, and their confrontation. Uh, before Ahsoka, you know, sort of distracts Malin Skull to escape to then lead to turning the tide with that battle. Um, it was just a lot happening really, really fast. And at the end of this episode, you you realize once again that it seems like Grand Admiral Thrawn is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers because he fully embraces the distraction that was sending a few troopers along to basically delay Ahsoka, Sabine, and now Ezra, uh, Ezra from going to stop Grand Admiral Thrawn from getting off world. Uh, just a lot of battle that, that in the end is now we're in a frantic chase, uh, which, by the way, seems really weird that we know that this thing is trying to get done over here. And Ahsoka still has time to be like, Ezra, hugs, everybody's happy. Why are we happy? right now and why are we not like thrawn's trying something let's go but anyway that's your thumbnail description of this episode uh before we get into before we get into anything else uh dave your take on on this week's episode of um of ahsoka yeah i think like uh i i agree with you that it was very high octane lots of action uh it's all action and i absolutely agree with you that that thrawn is is pulling all the right strings this is all just subterfuge it's all a distraction it's it's a it's just you know i mean he even says it the main goal is to get the hell out of this galaxy and everything else is secondary and they've almost got all the cargo loaded up and that sort of thing um yeah i i thought you you know ahsoka showing up in the reunion between her and and ezra and sabine was i i agree it kind of seemed like hey there's a an element of urgency here you guys are just kind of ignoring but I get why they did it. You know, that's then that it was fine and all that. But yeah, I thought it was a, it was a pretty cool episode. Uh, lots of lots of action, like you said. Lots of uh, that interesting moment with, between Ahsoka and, and Shin, which is trying to reach her at the end. And you know, Balin. I mean, we'll talk more about it. But Balin's got his own thing going on, and and that's very intriguing to me um, as to what's happening. But I thought it was another solid episode. Uh, you know, they there was some a few little name drops from clone wars that i caught but um you know beyond that it's it's just like you said we're definitely moving into something where 
you're going to need a second season to sort all this stuff out. And we do get a Mandalorian tie-in in this episode. I forgot that. We so. do. We do get a Mandalorian tie-in. That is true. Uh, Tony. I think one of my favorite parts of this episode is where, uh, what is it, Hera, right? Uh, General Hera goes before uh, <laughs> goes before the, the, the commission uh, there, and, and it ends up being uh, Leia that, you know, comes to her rescue, and it's C-3PO, and all along as this is happening, Patrick's going, I told you, he's the most powerful. No, he said R2-D2. I did not. I did not. But I was, I was so <laughs> going to text you, Pat, or the group, and say, does this make 3PO the most powerful being in the Star Wars? Or does no, Hesse because you know, what, you know what C-3PO was? <laughs> C-3PO was a fucking lackey sent to deliver a message because Carrie Fisher's dead. Like, that's what C-3PO is. Talk he ain't about, carrying shit. Talk uh, about uh, keeping your pimp hand strong, though. I mean, Carrie, and, Princess Leia just says and that uh, one senator who's just an absolute jackass up until that moment yeah, and he's challenged well, and he backs yeah. down. Is he is he stupid or is he in on it? No, Which he's one? on. I think he's on the take. Like I think he is on the take. I think he is an empire loyalist. He's he's being because he's being willfully ignorant, like right. willfully ignorant. And the the thing that's tough about watching this right now is that you know the New Republic falls like shortly, like it clearly fails because you got Princess Leia on the run from the First Order, and there's no talk of the new Republic anywhere. And they are clearly trying to eventually bridge this all together. So that again, ultimately one of my biggest problems with the JJ Abrams series is they're having to go backwards to make it all make sense. And I hate that. I just want to add to that. While I still like this series, I enjoyed this episode and I think I'm overall been right from the beginning where there's going to be another season where Thrawn actually sets his plan in motion. Like the end of this season is going to be him escaping to where he's trying to go. And what did we call it last week, Dave? We called it the, uh, the Jedi verse or something like that. The, where they're actually, you know, I forget. It wasn't that, but you know what I'm trying to say, oh, right? Oh, the, Star Wars prime. Yeah. Star Wars prime where they're actually all from, but I, I don't know. I've enjoyed it. It's just the interaction between Sabine and Ezra. And now, Sabine, Ezra, and Ahsoka, it's just kind of really cheesy and these looks and not a lot of words and like implied feelings, basically. And that's what you're looking at. And it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it means more because I'm not saying anything right now. Okay. And it's just fucking bad. Well, it's funny the images because this guy does go back to something that you guys talked about last week and Ray and I talked about off show when I, when I wasn't there. And it's I, I, Dave, did you watch Rebels? Did you did you watch Rebels? I've seen most of Rebels, not not all of it, but some of it. But I mean, I, I know a so, lot of this ties into that. So the thing that I the thing that I explained to Ray because he, I think Tony's right. It feels like there's something missing between Sabine and Ezra, and either and, and it has and it has been kind of since the two of them have been on the screen together. Uh, but even before then, in, in sort of the way that it seems like Filoni shifted their relationship, because in Rebels, to me based on my viewings and my recollections, at the very least, Ezra was pretty sweet on Sabine. Like, and not in a, you're, you, I want you to be a best friend kind of way. Like, he he kind of had a thing for, for Sabine. And towards the end of that series, that relationship sort of grew a little bit. Now, they hadn't done some bold declaration of love, but it seemed like a deeper connection than, 
I look after you like a brother or a sister looks after each other. And then we get to this series and it feels like Filoni changed his mind about what he wanted the same way George Lucas changed his mind about how he wanted Luke and Leia to be connected by Empire. Because I don't know how to tell you this, kids. Prior to the Empire Strikes Back, Luke and Leia, that was the thing. And then George changed his mind. And you got Han Solo instead. Which, by the way, for the record, better fucking chemistry and better story. But it, it was definitely a thing. Like, there's, you, you look at, you look at, like, what was going on at the end of, of A New Hope. And, like, Luke Skywalker isn't like, hey, this is great. Like, he's, he's jealous when Han Solo starts speculating about whether or not he's actually attracted to her. And then suddenly, oh, we're brother and sister. She plants one full on his face early on. Like, it just... Uh, like it was a love triangle at the end of, uh, of Empire, you would have thought, uh, until there is another and sister and all this. It just doesn't make sense. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I think this was a nice departure, by the way, from what we've seen out of some Disney Plus series where the, the next to last episode is kind of the climax of the season before we go into the falling action and sort of setting up the next one. This one very much is like you're expecting a thing. And you didn't get the thing. And I'm actually looking at this uh, recap shown by uh, Ringer, the Ringer. And they quoted Balin, which was a, was a good quote that I forgot. Uh, but his last advice, if you recall, the Shin, when he leaves her, which is another big thing that's notable to talk about, is that Balin leaves Shin. And his last, and, you know, uh, his last lesson to her when he departs is that impatient for victory impatience for victory will guarantee defeat and that's that line one so relevant it's he's taught you know it's feloni talking to the audience it's balin talking to shin it's also a reflection of what makes grand admiral thrawn such an interesting villain because grand admiral thrawn is nothing if not patient and calculating he knows what he's doing, and it's very well done. Like you said, I mean, Thrawn is this, and he was this way in Rebels too, but just a tremendous military strategist. Like he just basically like uses the uh, the Night Sisters, the grandmothers, to zero in on using their powers, which are not. It's come to I've come to realize after two episodes. Okay, this is not the force they're using. This is witchcraft that they are witchcraft. using. Witchcraft. And yeah. still, but, you know, they're still able to zero in on, on where Ahsoka and, and who Yang are and, and flush them out. But I, I think like the thing that I took away during, you know, the big fight that takes place is, um, you know, Sabine tries to give Ezra his lightsaber and he doesn't want it. And his his he says, I've got the force. That's all I need. So I it took me back to one of your favorite movies, one of my favorite Star Wars movies, Rogue One. And I don't remember the guy who it was, one of the blind, uh, the kind of monk sort of guy who I'm one with the force. He fought like that, but I'll tell you this, man, going into this last episode, I'm a little bit concerned about Ezra and whether he makes it out because he's kind of like that whole thing. I'm just going to rely on the force. He's very sort of nonchalant. This thing that he says, the last line of the episode, it looks like I'm going home after all. That made me feel a little bit concerned for him. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of this. There's there's a couple of things I've seen people go through uh, when it comes to Ezra. There's you know, is he gonna die? There's is he really good? 
Which I don't know that I buy that one. I, I don't think he's if he, I don't think he's turned to the dark I side mean, or anything like that. If they but. really bring him back in live action just to kill him off in three episodes. It doesn't seem right, but no, I could see doesn't. them I could see them doing like a Jon Snow sort of tease or something like that where you're not sure until season two whether he survived or Great. not. Yeah, maybe he gets run through in that famous spot where you can get stabbed by a lightsaber and not die like everybody like else. Like Sabine, yeah, exactly. Right. So I don't, I don't know, but that was a uh, Donnie Yen's character, Sharut in Imwe, who uh, actually he's not a Jedi, but he was a monk at the temple at a temple. So um, we still don't know what the hell this cargo is. That's that's being brought up by Thrawn. Do we any speculation as to what those are? The theory, he talked about coffins. I yeah. don't know. I don't know if it's that. That's the prevailing uh, online theory. Is that they're right. his troops? Well, that we have know died. how reliable prevailing online theories are. They're always right. Right. I and, oh, and, always right. No, but I mean, Star Wars Zombies does kind of have a <laughs> ominous foreboding ring to it that would that would certainly cause some problems, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the cargo and what it is and, and why they have to wait for the fact that they're waiting for it all to be loaded tells me that it, it's not just like, you know, parts and supplies for the technical moon or the, the, the remote moon. Like they're charging them. Huh? They're charging everything as well. Yeah. And they're watching they're watching the grid so, light up as far as each time they, one of these things is placed. It's funny because in like the trial thing for Hera, they also brought up uh, Moth Gideon, right? That was a tie. Right. That was a tie-in. Is there any chance that Thrawn has what Gideon was creating and is just charging that up and getting ready to use it? And like, I mean, I, you talk about you talk about you talk about Thrawn being so imminent on the fact that time enough time has passed, and I think he believes once he has what he thinks he's going to have, he's unstoppable. Well, Pat, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Gideon's the ones that Luke mowed down in season two. All uh, they were death troopers, right? But Thrawn's troopers Those are dark troopers. troopers. Are dark troopers, right? Well, so yeah, so Moff I they were dark. So I, hold on, hold on. So first of all, Moff Gideon's troopers aren't people; they're robots. So step one, they, uh, not not the same. I, I I wonder what it is that like, like the what's in the box question is going to be a big thing. And, and I think it possibly gets revealed at the end of, of season eight or uh, episode eight into season two. Uh, could it be the cloning technology that Moff Gideon was, was dealing with? Cause that was what Gideon was dealing with at the, or had at the end of season three of the Mandalorian was like, he was cloning himself. Like that was what he was doing. So you you've got that, and the speculation is that Moff Gideon is not really dead because that was a clone is murdered. Uh, so you've got that side. Could it be Death Troopers? I don't think it's I don't think it's Death Troopers. I don't I don't think those are them. Uh, I am into our Dark Troopers. I'm not sure what is going on there. I we're gonna find out, and hopefully it'll be a revelation and it'll be kind of mind blowing. But yeah. I uh, I don't know that it's I don't know that it's dead bodies. It might be clones. I could see it being clones. That would, that would be interesting. And if you guys are right that the Senator Ziono, I think that's his name. I don't, I, I don't remember, but um, that if he's in on the take, if he's on the take, he's in on all this and he's trying to dissuade or deflect the fact that there's any connection between Gideon and Thrawn, then that if he is in on this, then that raises the prospect that there's a big crossover that Thrawn and Gideon were, but I don't know how that works since Thrawn's in this distant galaxy and Gideon's been in star Wars prime the whole time. 
but Thrawn was in Star Wars yeah, Prime. You're right. At the same time that Gideon was in Star Wars, but like Gideon knew who Thrawn was when it was brought up in the Mandalorian. It true. wasn't like he That's was true. like, "Who is this guy?" No, he knew who he was. Same way that this this senator who I his whose name escapes me, who's just working so damn hard to be like everything's fine. Like he's Kevin Bacon in the middle of the fucking parade. <laughs> in Animal House, being like, all is well. He's he's trying so hard to dissuade any talk that the Empire or Remnants would be doing anything that you, you just, you can't be that incompetent. I refuse to believe that you would be that incompetent. I agree. I, I did want to ask you, um, when Thrawn gets the profile on Ahsoka and learns that Anakin was her apprentice, there's a real deliberate pause before he starts talking. And then says, we have to, you know, okay, she'll be, she'll be unpredictable. She'll be this, she'll be that. So we need to be on guard about that. I thought that was interesting as to the, what's the depth of uh, Thrawn's knowledge on Anakin and, and what happened to him? Uh, knowing what you know about Thrawn, Thrawn does not go into anything without study. And that would include the history of the Jedi Order. He would have known Darth Vader. He would have wanted to understand everything about who Darth Vader is or was within the scope of the Empire. So to me, it's not particularly surprising that he would know who Anakin Skywalker was in his history. I, I just, and maybe I'm putting too much stock into the character of Thrawn, uh, but that's just my understanding of the guy. Is like the, the character, he, he is going to be the smartest motherfucker in the room every time. I wonder if he finds out about Luke and Leia and that they're Anakin's offspring at some point. Maybe. I don't know. Tony, what you got? I was trying to find out what that guy's name was, and I got nothing. Oh, Senator Dumpfuck. There you go. Let's go with that. (laughs) To be determined, but likely. Right. So anyway, uh, so next week we get our we get our finale. We get our showdown of some sort. I'm going to err on the side of failure for the good guys. I guess the real question is. Who among you still fears death? What's wrong with you? I say you, he did. You will die alone. A dead mate. And all that I am is dead already. She said that every living creature on Earth dies alone. I've been dead once already. Dying ain't much of a living boy. Death is a natural part of life. Death comes for us all, Rokusaki. Death is but a door. Time is but a window. I'll be back. I don't understand why people have to die. Wee, 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 wee. Does anyone <laughs> die at the end of episode eight, season one of Ahsoka? And if so, who dies? Tony, you want to go? Good guys or bad guys. Could be either. Uh, I mean, guys I witnessed a lot of people die yesterday, to be honest with you, <laughs> that were involved in the story I took in. Um, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people of significance die. I don't really think any of them do. Um, because I think we're, this is, this is like multiple seasons, not just two seasons. I think this is three or four seasons. Um, and that's okay. Cause they haven't really, they haven't really covered that much ground in seven episodes, to be honest with you. Um, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say anybody of significance dies. I don't, I don't think that that happens. I think we could be in question of, whether someone was taken capture or, or something like that or what they're going to do about it. But that's about it. They may tease Ezra. I like we're saying they may leave that as a cliffhanger. I think Balin dies. I think they've got to do something about the Ray Stevenson situation. Um, 
he separates from Shin. He goes off and does his own thing. Um, there may be some showdown at the end where Ahsoka takes him out, um, you know, as as kind of like her moment of triumph. But that would make sense to me, although I'd hate to see the character uh, be done. Um, you know, you do have the real world problem there. So I would not be surprised to see Balin succumb to something or, you know, become a force ghost of some sort. I don't know, but something's going to happen. Something's got to happen with him this last episode. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Balin's call. I think that's such low hanging fruit just because the guy actually died. So good job for taking the easy way out, Dave. Hey, um, you know. let's let's go way let's go way out outside the box. What if Hyung died? Hu Yang. Hu Yang. The droid. The droid. Hu Yang. Sorry. What if he got blown up? What if David Tennant goes? No. He's been like this annoying glue. He's Alfred. He's been apart. He's Alfred. Exactly. Yeah, I've been saying that from the beginning. So no, kill he's Alfred. Going- no, no, because you still got to keep Batman, Ahsoka. So no. See, here's what I think is funny. This is why I think it would be so good. Kill the you don't want him to die. You don't want him to die. That's well, great. And they're crab people. They're not real. He doesn't. He can always be brought back though, because he's not real. I don't know. He kind of is a repository for the Force. I guess we'll have to talk about that more too. He may be the second most powerful character in the Star Wars universe. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Behind R two D two. Dave, just say something quickly. Something quickly. There you go. Well done. All right. Well, we'll find all of that out and more this coming Tuesday when we see the season one finale. I think we're all in agreement. There's no way this isn't going to at least a second season because we have no time, no time to wrap this all up in a nice, neat bow and call it a call it a episode, call it a a show. Although, Ahsoka Ahsoka has gone through all her Anakin Skywalker recordings, though. Just to be clear, there was more than twenty. The, you know I, what? She could find that secret box tape with some some big sessions later on somewhere else. That was interesting that that, that was yet. her last. That was the last one he did before he turned to the dark side. But <laughs> I, I think it's it's a safe bet. Thrawn's escaping. <laughs> the question is whether the good guys escape with him. What if Anakin like throws in? He's like was a fan of old American culture from the you know seventies. He throws in a Burgess Meredith clip here and there for her, and some simulated chickens to catch. You know? No. Yes. Okay. I'll stop. No, rock, Rocky jokes notwithstanding. On that note, let's head into our first commercial break. Oh, excuse me. That was disgusting. Ah. Um, when we come back, we will take a little trip into the trailer park, talk a little James Gunn. And I forgot, guys, did you know Martin Scorsese still hates comic book movies? Yes. All of that Shocking. more when we come back to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Always where we remind you to always use your head. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot for all of your chair shot swag needs. Remember, $19.99 for a standard shirt, but if you're feeling fancy, want something that feels nice on your giblets, a few dollars more, get it soft style. We appreciate it greatly. It helps us keep giving you this content every single day. Okay, Dave, it was going to be a little bit of a smaller trailer park until it wasn't. Last minute trailer dropped on Saturday that I was able to add to the rundown so that we got a, a solid trailer park of four. Before we can do that, though, you, you know what you got to do. You have got to play that beautiful banjo. So do me a favor, take it away. <music> Gentlemen, as I mentioned before, we have four trailers here in the trailer park, and each one of us had positive thoughts about different trailers or shared or, you know, or, or looking forward to things. I know Dave in particular is, is ready for our next to last trailer that we're going to cover today. Tunny shared the last trailer we're going to we're going to talk about. So a lot going on there. But before we got into anything that that we individually really shared, uh, a trailer dropped for the Toxic Avenger film, this Toxic Avenger reboot film that is coming our way sooner than you would think, starring such luminaries as Peter Dinklage and Elijah Wood. So, kids, 
Uh, for, uh, to, to give you some background here, for those of you who don't know, if you have never heard of Troma Movie, I encourage you to go back into the Wayback Machine. You might have to look. I don't know if these things are streaming anywhere. But, man, if you were desperate for some sort of waste of time entertainment at 3 o'clock in the morning while you were either drunk or high, Troma Entertainment had you taken care of with some of the most beautiful, schlocky, over-the-top films that you could get your hands on. And their flagship character was the Toxic Avenger. And this character, which is the story of a a mild-mannered janitor who is covered in toxic waste and becomes a superhero fighting off the denizens of evil around his local... This thing became so popular, he had an animated series... It was it was quite the thing, but these movies were terrible, and we are getting a full length feature reboot with some very very famous actors, and we got our first trailer today, and let's just let's just get it out of there early, man. We are leaning full on into the ridiculous violence and gore and bloodiness that is what made trauma films so fun to watch. I I I don't think we'd have to turn on a, blood, a brain cell at all to watch this bad boy, and I'm excited for it. Dave, wasn't first, it? did you ever watch a trauma film in your day? Oh, yeah. I mean, there wasn't this in the staple of the 80s sort of thing. And, and I mean, Toxic Avenger, wasn't he, like, billed as New Jersey's greatest superhero or something yes, like very that? Much. By the way, I also forgot the legendary Kevin Bacon, part of this cast as well. I, I mean, talk about things that I wasn't really aware that people were clamoring for. But here you go. And, you know, like you're saying, it's got this this very solid cast. So it it had to have mean, some meaning to a lot of these guys as far as the schlock and just the absurdity of the whole thing. But, um, yeah, you know, there's elements of this trailer that I'm like, this kind of has that boyish, boysish feel to it. Just the gratuitous violence and, and just coming right out, right in your face, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to watch it. But, you know, if they're channeling. Blasphemy. <laughs> they're channeling all this 80s schlock then it might it's it's got the cast to warrant checking it out that's for sure i i just my my mind is still blown that like peter dinklage like classically trained because because elijah wood has done stuff like this before like elijah wood was in sin city like he's he's done some, some kind of ridiculous shit peter dinklage like this is the station agent we're talking about here man like here he is anyway tony toxic avenger trauma films it seems like, you know, obviously they're embracing the campy, right? Uh, the, the the funny part of horror as well. But when you put these types of actors into it and try and reassimilate like a Toxic Avenger kind of thing, it's almost like you're setting yourself up to become the second part of the cult classic tradition to where you're doing it in tribute. So you actually have to do a good job. And that's why these actors are are kind of in on it. Does that make sense? You know, they're sure. almost trying to make it a cult classic, which which it couldn't achieve. It was more of like a just a, a really, you know, culty B movie as opposed to a classic. Yeah. So so I guess what are you saying here? Are you worried that this is going to be a movie that tries too hard? Is that what you're getting at? Well, no, I think they're going to knock it out of the park. I think what they're trying to do is give you the best version of the movie is what I mean. OK, that's fair. Cool. Uh, I, I sure I have high hopes. I, I really do. Uh, and it's, I, you know, I said that Peter Dinklage is like, he's done comedy before. Like he's been in some stuff. So I, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't act like he's like, this is beneath him. 
but I, I, I'm very interested to see how Toxie goes. I also loved the way this this uh, trailer debuted, right? Like it's like you're watching an old VHS cassette, a la Troma. Like you got to adjust the tracking. There's this you know weird news report going on. Uh, you know the two the two news reporters are arguing over whether the Toxic Avenger is someone to like celebrate or be afraid of. It was. It was it was it hit me in the nostalgic feels a little bit too with just sort of the presentation that's going on there. So adjust uh, the tracking. Things that I never thought I'd hear on bandwagoners. That's awesome. Well, dude, I'll tell you because now that we're into spooky season, I am excited to I'm gonna start watching some of my favorite horror films of the time. And one of my favorite anthology horror series is uh VHS. Uh, v slash H slash S. There's a whole slew of them. But the original one was somebody watching VHS cassettes of these horrible stories that then leads to them getting, you know, getting murdered. And it's the whole thing. Like you put in the cassette, the tracking's off and try to fix it, get a good picture. I I love stuff like that. So I'm I'm looking forward to Toxie coming back. I, I hope it's a good film. I hope it is schlocky as fuck and that we get more of them. All right. Our next film is not schlocky as fuck. This is the Disney animated feature celebrating their 100 years of existence as a film company. We finally got a full trailer for the film Wish. And I I, um, I watched it with a little doubt. Uh, I think that I'm very intrigued by this film. It's, a such, it's such a simple concept. We have an evil king voiced by Chris Pine, who um, is stealing the wishes of his people to kind of keep himself in power. And there is a young girl by the name of Asha, who, not the next Disney princess, but the next Disney girl. She's not a princess. Uh, But she is originally brought on to be his apprentice slash assistant. But she learns that this king, King Magnifico, voiced by Chris, Chris Pine, is the one who is stealing these stealing these wishes of his own people and not granting them for quote the benefit of the king. Uh, looks like a very typical Disney fair sort of thing. Uh, we debuted a song. We've got a cute star flitting around. There's a talking. Is it a goat or a lamb? I'm not sure. I just love the voice. Uh, the little O'Dowd loved the humor of the of the little goat lamb thing, and uh, I don't know that we'll catch it in theaters. It's not exactly his speed. He's not a Disney princess kid, uh, but he found the bad guy intriguing and the humor intriguing enough to want to check it out at some point. Great voice cast here as well, by the way. Chris Pine, Evan Peters, Alan Tudyk, Victor Garber. Uh, just some great, great names and some great, great voices lending themselves to this as well. So, and Ariana DeBose, who probably most notable for her role most recently in West Side Story as Anita. She was also part of the ensemble in Hamilton and has been in Schmigadoon. She is taking on the lead role of Asha. So, Tanya, I'll go to you, big Disney animated film fan that you are. Uh, I think this is a solid addition to the Disney animated family. Not necessarily one that this panel would be like, sign me up to see in the theater. 
I think that's a great interpretation of what this is. Um, it's not really for us, even though we are Disney fans. I'd be more likely to watch the cultish, classic-ish horror movie we just talked about than this. This kind of looks like a kind of, uh, you know, wash, rinse, repeat Disney movie to me. Dave. Yeah, I, I echo wash, rinse, and repeat that Tony said. It, it's It's got... And there's nothing wrong with that. It's got all the staples of a Disney movie and it's and it's going to appeal to, you know, little girls are going to love this. It'll be a new character that they can get behind. Uh, it'll be it'll be a very successful property for Disney. I have no doubt about it. It's just not something that any of us are going to like run right out and say, I got to check this out, um, you know, and and maybe it'll it'll catch word of mouth fire like Elementals has or that sort of thing. But um yeah, it it looks very it's the, it's the Disney princess formula. Even if she's not a Disney princess, it's just it's very formulaic. It's what they do, and it's what they do better than any other company out there. So, what can you say? Yeah, I will say the other thing. This is a, another film that uh, Disney is reaching out culturally into a different direction. This seems to be let's say South America is kind of the the vibe I get from it. Yeah. You know, it's not European at all by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, Central South America seems to be what they're going for here. Uh, there has been a lot of work on the Disney property uh, IPs as of late to connect with a Latin American population, which is one of the things that is a little distracting in that Chris Pine is doing an accent. Um, and is not like, and I don't know, maybe Chris Pine has something in his heritage that I, I don't know about, but it, yeah, I've always known him to be kind of the whitest of white dudes. I'm like, um, I enjoy him yeah. as an actor. I love him very much. Like, Kirk was Antonio Dungeons and Dragons. Was Antonio Banderas not available or something? <laughs> he would have been perfect for He's this. He's too busy doing Puss in Boots, dude. Uh, He's been doing Puss in Boots by so long. By the way, Final Wish, great movie. By the way, if you have not checked yes. it out, um, I would, I, I highly endorse it. All right, well, let's move on to the next one. This is a, uh, a animated series that I know Dave is very much excited about. Uh, as the upcoming Netflix Scott Pilgrim, what is it they call it? Scott Pilgrim Takes Off is the the name of this series, which is, from what I understand, just redoing the Scott Pilgrim graphic novels in animated form using much of the live action cast. And in fact, I'm going through it right now and it just was, I'm really impressed at how many people were ready to come back for this. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is back as Ramona Flowers. Chris Evans is back as Lucas Lee. Brie Larson is back as Envy Adams. Aubrey Plaza, back as Julie Powers. Anna Kendrick, back as Stacey Pilgrim. Jason Schwartzman, back as Gideon Graves. Michael Sarah, back as Scott Pilgrim. Faye Whitman, back as Roxy. Kieran Culkin, back as Wallace Wells. Sorry, Allison Pill. Back as Kim Pine. Todd Ingram. Back, uh, sorry, Brandon Ralph. Back as Todd Ingram. Johnny Simmons. Back as Young Neil. Ellen Wong. Back as Knives Chow. Everybody is back for this. So at least from a seamless voice acting perspective, we all back. We all back. Dave, you're you're still you're still on. You're excited about this. You said you were all in for it. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, the Scott Pilgrim movie, which I know we reviewed in the nerd review a long time ago, and I was very, I it it 
it means more to me and I love the movie a lot more than I know you did, Pat, although I think you, you like it just fine. But um, it's kind of one of those movies that got a little bit of a, a, a cult status after the fact as underappreciated as it didn't do as well in the box office as a lot of people hoped. It did achieve a lot of like, you know, underground word of mouth sort of uh, momentum and status and that sort of thing. So redoing it in this animated format, to me, it's kind of like a second bite at the apple and a way to kind of reintroduce this this property to a, a new generation while still kind of capturing the people who maybe were late to the party for the live action. And now you've got all the voice actors. So it's going to have a very, very familiar feel to it. Like the one clip where he orders the, uh, I forget, like in what is it in the, in the movie? He orders something and she's like working through Amazon or something like that. And in this, it's kind of a similar sort of thing, but a little bit of a twist on it. It's like but, Netflix. Yeah. Netflix, you know, a Netflix documentary about Amazon or something like that. But um, I think it's got all the potential to be really, really good um, animation. You, you, We've seen repeatedly how that's kind of evolved over the past few years. So I think I, I, I will definitely be checking out this this because i i love the scott pilgrim novels and and huge fan of the movie and so this will be it's kind of interesting okay what are they going to do a little bit different here that they couldn't maybe capture in live action that's going to be more um more suitable for animation he's telling you scott pilgrim takes off you in you out oh he's 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 out hard on this like never never been a fan Never really been a fan of the whole Scott Pilgrim anything. Um, it looked interesting. It looked fun. Um, but no. Just, you, you should be muted for that. I just give you a hard time. Because cause I, I don't, haven't been into that. Oh, I can't actually unmute you. I know you can't. I, can I was like, I can remove you from the call. No, I'm here. It's just not a fan sure, of the sure, Scott You're not right. Yeah. I mean, Michael Sarah, you know, give me some Arrested Development, but just no Scott Pilgrim. Here's the thing is, I like everything about Spot, Scott Pilgrim, except for Scott Pilgrim. Like, if that makes sense. Like, I love all the and things I, surrounding that muted. character. And I get muted, yeah. I still enjoy the movie, like, thoroughly. Like, Brandon, like I'm Brandon sorry. Ralph. Brandon, Brandon Ralph, Ralph is yes. just fucking hilarious in that. Brent, Brandon Ralph, uh, Chris Chris Evans is a, is hilarious. I might actually watch that after we finish this call. Like, it's it's a thoroughly entertaining film. I just think it's uh, it's its main character is a whiny douche that is hard to to get behind. Like at the end of the and, and that's part of the point is yes. he's supposed like by the end of it he's he's trying to figure himself out and he understands it. So chicken isn't uh, chicken isn't vegan, you know. We are sex mabob and we are here to anyway. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our last trailer. This is one that was in an article shared by Tony as a joke made at Dave's expense uh, for the film Argyle which is Matthew Vaughn's latest uh, flick coming our way. And I got to tell you, before I watched the trailer, I wasn't sure what we were getting here because, you know, all you get is an image of Dua Lipa being held up by Dave's man crush, Henry Cavill, with, like, legs spread in front of his face. And here's the thing is I want to be Henry Cavill. Like, damn it. Like, I I will fully embrace that I have... And yet Dave was hoping to be Dua Lipa. Because I'm not going to lie, I, I I think Dua Lipa's pretty. Um, I do. Anyway, I'll buy her music. I think she's pretty. But here's the thing that was really interesting. So then I watched the trailer, right? And you watch this trailer, and you learn that this is really a story about Bryce Dallas Howard's character, Ellie Conway, who is a spy novelist 
who is being hunted down or followed by a network of legit spies because everything she writes, they're able to do and pull off on heist. And so they're trying to get her to share the next thing. And so she's protected by Sam Rockwell, who is a real spy, as opposed to Henry Cavill, who is the, you know, the, the story spy. It's, it's fascinating. This cast is loaded, guys. Like Bryce Dallas Howard, Henry Cavill, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Sam Rockwell, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, John Cena, Samuel Jackson, like just big time actor after big time actor showing up here. And even wishes Ariana DeBose cast in this film in a role. Everybody is in this. And, you know, I, I liked the Kingsman series. Uh, I I liked Kingsman and Kingsman 2. I did not care for the, the prequel thing like most people. Like, it's, it's, it's all right. But uh, this this movie looks like a lot of fun. And there's a cat in uh, at a carry-on backpack that, that we keep seeing all over the place. That so interesting, interesting, interesting take on a story. Uh, looking forward to seeing this uh, when it hits uh, theaters. So, Tony, you shared this one. Tell us about it. What's the John Candy movie where he's the writer that's actually writing the story that's happening? Delirious or something like that? That is Delirious, yes. Okay, this movie is Delirious meets James Bond, and I fucking love it. I think it's amazing. I think the premise is awesome. I think the cast is excellent. This is like something that combats some of the things that Glass Onion has done in the fact that you're kind of wondering where the next uh, twist or turn is going to be. So... I think the people you've just mentioned in the cast pretty much means that everybody here on the bandwagon will watch this. Dave, is he correct? Um, he's very, it's very likely that Tony is correct with that cast. And I like you, Pat, I like the Kingsman series up to a point. Um, but this cast does strike me as being exceptional. And, you know, you got Henry Cavill, you got John Cena, Sam Jackson, you got, you know, all the other heavy hitters in this thing. Is, so, is it Dua Lipa that John Cena just pulls off the back of a motorcycle in in? Yeah, Maine? I think so. Yes, just kind of like you know, holds <laughs> her up. Iconic, yeah, iconic in front of some you know dusty western you know rundown gas station too. So it makes it even more iconic. The view. Yeah, I, I think I think Tuddy's got it right. This one looks like it should be watched. I'm not sure when it's coming out or on which service or it's it's a movie, right? Um, okay. Yeah. It's a movie. I'm not sure. I think it's going to be. Look it up. Yeah, I thought it was a theater. Argyle 2024 film. Let's do a little work here. Argylemovie.com. Let's visit the site. Don't just play the trailer. No good. <laughs> well, you opened up the site and right. like only in theaters, February 2nd, 2024. Okay, that'll be that'll be a good one to check out in February. So yeah. And February is always February is a good time for a sleeper hit because that's when you're you're throwing. You're just throwing anything out there. Award season's over. Uh, we're moving on. So, uh, by the way, Delirious, he's a soap opera writer. And he gets hit on the head and wakes up in his own story. So, John Candy, comedic genius. And it's funny. I was looking at that, uh, looking at ratings of John Candy films. Too many John Candy films getting 5.8, 5.9s. That ain't fair. That ain't fair. Give it some love. It's that's, wrong. That's that's just their problem. It's, like it's not the inverse of no, Meltzer cool. giving every AEW match five star. No, uh, wrong. Who? I did. What did we say about not talking about wrestling anymore today? Are you sorry? Here, let me. Let me. I'll be. I'll be an equal opportunity. You're muted. Uh, you can unmute yourself when we talk about the next article. 
Um, which is what we're going to do now. We are going to talk about news around the nerdosphere. We're going to leave the trailer park and we're going to go into one. I don't know that this is necessarily a surprising thing, um, but James Gunn did an interview uh, as he is wont to do. And there was talk about the DCEU and James Gunn confirmed that three actors will be carrying over into the new DCU. And they are, I'm going to do this one first because I don't want to, uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Is it, is it Zolo? Cholo? Um, Zolo, Mandu, I can't, Jamie Reyes and the Blue Beetle. Miguel, He's back. Miguel from Cobra. Con. Miguel, yes, Miguel uh, is coming back. John Cena is Peacemaker. Yeah, Cholo, Marin, Marin Dueno. Dueno, I think is, is what it will be because that's an A, not an O on the inner. Sorry. Okay, but, got good try. Right. You, yeah. you did better than I did. John Cena is returning as Peacemaker. And Viola Davis is coming back as Amanda Waller. Um, I was not surprised by the first two names that we dropped, in, in particular because Peacemaker was James Gunn's baby of a series, and it went over really well. And, and, and he was he was coming back. Like, John Cena's Peacemaker was coming. It was too popular not to. It's a good deal. You just put out Jamie Reyes, and you really talked up the Blue Beetle and Jamie Reyes. So even though that was a disappointing box office return, on that character as the stink of the previous DCU is just not going away. Not a surprise. But Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. Like, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised, if that makes sense, because she has been a terrific Amanda Waller. Uh, but I'm a little surprised because in the land of no one's safe, like, he's even saying that Gal Gadot, or Gal Gadot, isn't safe. And so... I think it's a good call. I think it's the right call. But I was just a little surprised by that. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Uh, these three actors coming back, apparently, in James Gunn's DCEU. Thoughts? Tony, I'll start with you this time. Not a surprise, like you mentioned. Um, did, is, is, is Peacemaker as a series, did that get canceled or not? That's still coming back, right? Maybe. So that's well, just I mean, kind of... All effort different. that while you guys talk about it. That's just kind of in limbo. Hasn't been canceled. Hasn't been decided if that second right. season. They haven't out. said anything. I mean, that really could lend itself to being a movie. And isn't Amanda Waller also closely connected in that series as well, I believe. So, you know, and then I, I think they want to keep what they just did with Blue Beetle. I think they're proud of what they did there. And I think they did a good job. So why would you want to get rid of that? Especially since the character, the superhero of the Blue Beetle lends itself to being a very significant helping hand in any, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, detrimental. So here's situation. what I will tell you. Max has, re Max has renewed Peacemaker season two. Okay. So that makes it sense. It will consist of seven episodes. Here's the, here's the part that's going to make you sad. The release date for Peacemaker season two is estimated to be between 2025 and 2026. And that's fine. You know why? Because it could be a part of something though as well. Right, and that might be why. True, it's he could be in. The, he could be in other films. Sure. I, Sorry, I cut you off. Tony, you got anything else? No, no, that was it. Uh, yeah, it's not surprising. I, I think the names, like for a lot of reasons, Tony said, you just Blue Beetle, uh, uh, commercially, commercially not a success, but critically and amongst most fans, it was very well received. And Zolo, whatever his name is, uh, his performance was exceptional. I don't think anybody disputes that. Gun's fingerprints, obviously, all over Peacemaker and Suicide Squad. 
which is where you know Amanda Waller was in there. And and so go ahead, Tony. Who's a peacemaker sidekick? Um, oh, vigilante. I heard he's coming back too. I hope so because there's never a wrong time to rock. And I think that's, you know, that's exactly. No, I, I think it makes sense. Any, anything that Gunn has really had his fingerprints on and, you know, the palette is very limited to Peacemaker and Suicide Squad. You're going to see a lot more of those people come back. I think you're going to see, uh, you know, a lot more of the people from Peacemaker will be brought back in some form or fashion. It makes sense. I know he's saying nothing's really canon until Creature Commandos comes out. But this is as close as you're going to get to an acknowledgement that Peacemaker and Suicide Squad, at least to some extent, um, are canon. And Blue Beetle. Yeah, I yeah, I think, as, as I said to start, it just makes all the sense. So we'll, we'll see. And I don't think these are the only people that are coming. Back. I, like, I, I agree. I think, I think as, as Tony even let out, like if you're if, if Peacemaker season two is a thing, like you're going to bring back most of that cast. Right. Like you just you're not going to you're not going to drop it like a bad habit. There were a lot of threads that were created in that in that season finale. James Gunn's wife. What's her name? Um, Oh, yeah. 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 She's like the love interest or something. Right. And she like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I just yeah, I just can't imagine it. He'll he'll hire his his brother. Sean will be doing something as he always is. Keeping Viola Davis, though, that's that's a good get as far as a. I do. I do think that's a good one to keep. Uh, I, I think you'll see other characters too. I think that tells you you're going to get more George Lopez in the DCEU at some point, for example. So, and why not? He was a fun character. But anyway, all right. So let's go from the fun to Old Man Yells a Cloud. I love doing this discussion periodically uh, because I don't understand what, why people are so angry. And one of my favorite targets is, is Martin Scorsese who, once again, I'm trying to find the quote right now, but he, he basically he just completely disparages the value of the franchise film within the industry and does the whole, the industry is getting killed because people are going to think these are the only type of movies that exist. The, these, and he targets comic book films, he targets franchise films, and just talks about it being awful cinema and then that good cinema won't exist anymore like he's like this like last dying bastion of, of good film and so i i always take exception to always because waste of time entertainment which i one i also think that there's good cinematic value out of certain comic book films are they all winners no but does that mean that every comic book franchise film that's ever been made and exists is bad or crappy or can't have something worthwhile to say, no, uh, you're insane. And those films that you hate give you the money from a studio to make the type of movie. Uh, So I'm not going to sit there and call Martin Scorsese an idiot. He's clearly not. He's one of the greatest filmmakers ever. He's made some of the greatest films of all time. I've enjoyed some of his films very, very much. And so I can't sit here. Like, I love The Departed. I'm happy that he didn't agree to what the studio <laughs> told him to do with the departed like absolutely yes. agree with him there and yet uh don't have a problem with the shared universe film franchise existing for me to go and take my son to give him a love of going to see the movies because someday that kid will grow up to want to watch other movies that have a deeper meaning whether it be in science fiction fantasy or other case in point a film we're going to discuss with T- uh, tony later today he wants to see the creator. 
he is very interested in seeing the he's not interested in seeing the creator because it looks like a cool action shoot up he is very interested in the ai concepts that the questions that get asked by that movie whether they pan out or not what the trailer is portrayed to him has peaked an interest in him that is bigger than look at the explosions go boom how cool is this so i'm sorry scorsese i i don't agree with your opinion i respect you for having it. who wants to go first tunny or Dave. Dave. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's entitled to his opinion, even though we think it's wrong uh, for the most part. And I, it's it's a question of preference. He he clearly thinks that the stuff he does has more cultural and, and entertainment significance than the lighthearted, you know, sort of, you know, it, it's just it's just kind of a symptom of, of a lot of what some of these guys in Hollywood think that it still has the overtones of being childish and, and being not serious and he's one of these ultra serious hey it's got to be uh you know a magnum opus every time it comes out or it's just not you know it's not worthy and and we don't agree with that so like you said is some of it better than others absolutely but that doesn't mean that it's just a completely worthless form of storytelling so yeah i'm like you he's i i disagree with him he's entitled to his opinion honey he's not he's not wrong and he's not right a lot of what he said needs to be taken with a grain of salt. I think the fact that Hollywood can't come up with more original ideas for stories in, in different genres is absolutely correct. It has been such a dead space for originality for probably a decade and a half plus. Now, that doesn't mean that these comic book movies and stories and, and franchises and epic episodic uh, streaming series aren't really fucking good. So... Yes and no and no and yes. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I just struggle with, and part of this is the whole, how, how do I how do I say this? I, I'm just, maybe it's a, I'm defensive of this genre uh, and defensive of things that, that have a lot of meaning and impact to me. Like, I, I, I used to really appreciate, I'm going to change um, topics a little bit here. I used to really enjoy Bill Maher as a comedian. And then, I did. Like I used to, I, him, I used to love Dennis Miller, like those like smarmy, sarcastic comedians and, and, and sort of their little like ways of jabbing it at the world around them. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, but Bill Maher lost me when he started calling people who enjoy reading comic books or teen literature, in addition to everything else that they like to read infantile. As if you are somehow a stunted human being for enjoying and finding value in that form of literature. Because he he refuses to ever call anything from a graphic novel perspective literature, which tells me that you've never read Mouse. And that it's unfortunate that you can only see childish comic books as as the the pinnacle of the genre. And it's the same, like, that's why I feel like with Scorsese is that he completely devalues anything from that superhero genre or that recycled film. Like, I don't, I don't love that we, we live on nostalgia and we recycle some stories or that, you know, stories get recycled. It also makes money. Uh, it also brings people in. So on one hand, sure, you're right. Creativity isn't where it was. On the other hand, it's also something that's been going on forever. Like Flash Gordon was a serial film 
you know, serial series of films and radio programs before it got turned into a feature-length movie, before it got turned into a com- uh, to a cartoon, before it got turned into any number of things. Like, that's been done time and time and time and time again. The number of times we've redone the Amityville, Amityville Horror, for example, as a film franchise. Like, that's just happened over and over and over and over and over again. So you can't tell me that this is something new and it's some doom and gloom story that it hasn't existed in Hollywood before. It has. You're just now complaining about it because reasons. No, I don't know. It just, it feels like an insult to something that brings me joy. And I don't understand why you need to be that guy. So all that said, I'll probably see his new (laughs) way to take a stand. I will. I like good cinema. Like, I'm not going to stop watching good cinema. Like, I like Raging Bull. I like Goodfellas. I I like The Departed. Like, dude makes good movies. Makes great movies. I like The Godfather. Like, what the fuck? And I know he didn't make The Godfather, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I love classic pieces of cinema and cinema that has stuff to say. Like, I love Kubrick and 2001 A Space Odyssey. I also think you can see some amazing things in Black Panther. And you can see some wonderful messages in those films and that's okay so anyway I, i'm rambling here at this point we're going to go into our, our our next commercial break we're going to talk uh hopefully the beginning to the end of strike conversation uh but as it seems to be going right now things keep you know the more things change the more they stay the same we're going to talk about all that and a little bit more when we come back you are listening to bandwagon nerds on the chair shot radio network part of the chairshot.com Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back to the final segment of Bandwagon Nerds here on the CHAIRSHOT Radio Network, part of chairshot.com where we remind you to always use your head, head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Make sure you get all of that sweet, sweet chair shot swag, including the bandwagon nerd shirt. That's right. Represent us, help us stay on your internet airwaves. Okay, guys, we're coming. Okay. So we're, 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 the, we're going to talk strike. It feels like the end is near, but is the end near? I, I don't know. Uh, before we get into the big news of the week, we will talk about one little thing where SAG-AFTRA and video game actors did vote to strike once their deal expires, if a deal could not be met. Both the gaming studios and the actors have walked away from the table, though there is still, quote, hope for a zero-hour deal. Let's be real. Probably not going to get a zero-hour deal. We are looking at possibly yet another strike. This is another strike from SAG-AFTRA. Um, this was going to impact our video games. This makes me sad, especially as I'm playing Baldur's Gate 3, and it's some of the best voice acting I've seen in a video game in a really long time. Please don't strike. Please. Um, but I think it's going to happen. Uh, so, uh, so Dave, I'm not talk me off the ledge. I'm not too worried about the video game stuff because look at the development cycle of video games. And I mean, they're like, you're talking twice as long as like the average movie or something like that. So the relative impact of them striking to really have an appreciable effect on a video games release date, probably a little marginal, I would say. I mean, look how long it did take Baldur's Gate three to come out. Um, and that's right. It's years, you know, I mean, 
years it takes for this stuff to come out. So I hope they get it worked out. I, I just I don't see the the similar impact to like the writer's strike or the actor's strike taking place as far as the video game industry. It's unfortunate, you know, that sort of thing. But I, I think from a more practical standpoint, they've got a, a lot longer time cycle to work this out. So I'm not sure it's as urgent as some of the other stuff is. Tony, 2027. Could this be a striking while the iron's kind of hot kind of thing while it's, you know, in, in fashion to do so where to just kind of grab what we can right here real quick and see if they give us anything back as opposed, you know, while all this is going on, you know, the, it, it would look good from them to kind of give us something here. Maybe. I, I also know that the video game industry has its own warts, right? Like I think that that's, Kind of one of the best interviews we ever did on this show, and she didn't really even talk about it. Was uh, was Morgan from uh, when she back when she worked from Sony, and she talked about like the work that they needed to do. You know, I could tell you uh, on the other side of that that like she was always very supportive of a lot of what you would see, read, and hear about workers. Like she would share articles about kind of the working conditions. I think voice acting is it's just as much a part of acting as actors themselves it's it's one of those things you see with animation in, in in addition to live action that you know there's a lot of long hours are you exactly getting paid and what are your residuals how does that get paid out how does that work so i'm just i'm really interested to see it I, i'm not i think that the timing is intentional right like i don't think it's an accident that these negotiations have gone as long as they have and haven't been resolved and here we are so I do think that there's something to that. Uh, and that if I were if if I were part of SAG AFTRA, it is an opportunity to kind of strike while the iron is hot because there's vulnerability there. We we've already seen we're about to talk about what came of the um, the writers guild agreement. So I do I do see what you're saying, Tony, and I don't think you're off entirely there. Um, I do think that, that that is part of it. I don't think that's all of it, but I do think that's uh All right, let's go to the big news of the week. It was announced uh, around Tuesday, or it was announced earlier in the week, like Sunday, Monday, but Tuesday is when it became official. The Writers Guild and production companies have come to their agreement. They have signed and ratified a new deal, and writers are back to work. Actors are still on strike, but big first step. And some of the things, uh, pieces of this agreement are AI, artificial intelligence, can't write or rewrite literary material, and AI-generated material will not be considered source material under this bargaining bargaining agreement, meaning that AI-generated material can't be used to undermine a writer's credit or separated rights. A writer can choose to use AI when performing writing services if the company consents and provided that the writer follows applicable company policies, but the company won't re- can't require the writer to use AI software, for example, like ChatGPT, when performing writing services. The company must disclose to the writer if any materials given to the writer have been generated by AI or incorporate AI-generated material. And the Writers Guild Association reserves the right to assert that exploitation of writers' material to train AI is prohibited by the NBA or other law. 
Dave, you're the lawyer. You're the guy who would be the one we would turn to to sift through this information. And so we're going to do just that. Sift through this bargaining agreement between the writers and the studios. What are your thoughts? Is there a winner? Is there no winner? We usually say if there's no winner, then that's probably a good thing. Um, What do you think? I think the writers may have come out a little bit ahead on this as they they had great concerns about being replaced by AI. And this does have some safeguards in there to kind of uh, give them some protection as far as, you know, what can be used in the AI kind of environment, what can be fed to AI as far as training them to be able to come up with stories. The last paragraph you wrote, you, uh, you read, um, there is some, uh, some safeguards in place as to, you know, notifying writers, Hey, we're going to use AI for this aspect and that aspect. No, you can't be replaced because of that. But if they, you know, the studios do maintain the right to integrate AI in this, in this, uh, MBA, um, they're just, I think it probably gives a little bit more transparency to the writers that what they were looking for was just, you know, not to be blindsided by the use of AI. And this does look like it's got some, uh, some protections in there. It's probably not a, as great as the writers wanted, but you know, when we talked last week and the strike was nearing its, its conclusion, we'd mentioned that AI seemed to be like the one sticking point. And then they kind of got around it with this agreement. So I think the, the writers kind of came out um, a little bit ahead on this, but you know, it's still the studios still are going to get the right to use AI where they want to. There's just looks like some limitations on it. Tony, you happy to get the writers back? Sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We're a long way from, you know, things being back to normal as far as, you know, studio releases as on the big screen, streaming releases, uh, you know, and, and especially television wise. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Um, it's interesting because it's a slippery slope, that AI. It is, it is, I tell you. Um, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. The incorporation into any part of the deal just kind of lends itself to further use down the line, right? Indeed. I, I do think that this is a good protection move for the writers. Yeah, uh, and I think to, it needed to happen. Just to add on, I'm just like reading through the article as well. The last part where the WGA reserves its right to assert that AI use in any case goes against the NBA. That that clearly is is a is a win for the writers there. They've got like the you know right of last refusal on a lot of these contracts, and that usually goes to the party with the um you know that gives them a decided edge when they're the, you're the last last voice on this thing. So yeah, that that's a definite right. win for them. There were some other provisions in there that we didn't cover uh, in terms of streaming numbers and, and residuals for writers and collecting money as well. I did the I did the watered down version. I did not do the full the full, full, full on version uh, of this. But I just, I'm, I'm pleased that it seems like the writers won. So, or at least came out a little bit in front, whether they, whether, whether they, uh, whether they win ultimately in the end or not, I, I think this was a good thing and, and helps with this new technology. All right. Actors are still on strike. Do we feel that with the writers back on board and writing again the actors will be soon to follow tony what's your gut say you say you don't know no i we've, i've had the same timeline the entire time right here we Christmas. come holidays yeah tony needs just his for, hallmark holiday just slate completely lined up yeah yeah 
just in he time. He needs to watch the story of a New York City woman who falls in love with a Wisconsin no, farmhand. Not a not a fan of uh, yeah, like Lifetime and everything else, the Hallmark Channel. But just in time to roll new content out in theaters and on the uh, silver screen post Super Bowl. So early February, you'll see new shit. Dave, what do you think? You think we're you think we're on the on the precipice of complete of completing these strikes, coming back to work? I mean, they've been in lockstep with each other and solidarity and that sort of thing. But, you know, as I've said the whole time, um, I think the, the actors have more leverage than the writers did um, because they've got more money and they can throw more resources against the studios than, than the writers probably could. So I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, they'll, they'll hold out a little bit longer. I would not be surprised to see, I think their union is, is I don't know about stronger, but, like I said, they've got more muscle than than the Writers Guild did, and they may just decide to uh, force this thing a little bit longer. You know, they're probably going to look at what the writers got and whether they think that they got fleeced or whether they think it was a fair deal, and then go back and say, okay, look, they got a decent deal. Maybe we should talk to them. It's interesting to note, though, that you know we have not heard anything about them going back to the bargaining table yet. You know, like with, with the writer strike, we heard about them getting serious about things. We haven't heard anything similar as far as SAG after is concerned. So uh, that's a little bit concerning, but I don't necessarily think it's, it's, it's imminent that it's ending. They may just decide to, you know, hold on to this thing a little bit longer and see what they can get out of it. Yeah. Well, and they should, right? Like they, yeah. they should, they should, work out they need to get the best deal that is in place for them so hopefully they are able to pull that off i i do want to see that happen all right let's head into the final segment we've teased it a couple of times but tunny is the only one of us so far that's been able to catch the creator saw it in theaters did you see it in imax on a big big screen i did not see it in imax i seen it, it in 3d screen x screen whatever that means Screen X. What so is screen that? X. Okay, so basically they took the walls of the theater and put a screen on them. So you have 270 degree viewing. Got you. So, so I've been go, in a theater like that before, yeah. If you go on YouTube, you can see Gareth Edwards talking about this movie being displayed in Screen X. And it really, it's almost like this movie was perfect for the birth of people going to a Screen X. Um, it was excellent. Um, I think Hans Zimmer did the music, was amazing. This is just an epic that needs to be seen in theaters. Um, and we've been talking about AI and everything else. This movie, it just begs to ask the question, how deep can you involve AI in the human lifestyle? Um, because that's kind of what happens here to the people on Earth is they've basically incorporated AI into every aspect of their life. Um, and some accept it and some reject it. And I don't know how much of the story you want me to tell you. I don't know how interested you guys are in going to see it, but I can tell well, you. Before you, I, yeah, that. I don't want to know. I don't want to know too much, too much, yeah. because, like I said, the little O'Dowd, like, wa- has know. watched the trailers with me, and he's very go interested see. in watching the movie. Go see it. If you can see it in IMAX or you can see it in Screen X, then go do it in that version, or go see it in the biggest thing, because th- this is this is going to win a lot of VFX awards, um, period, because it's so well done. Like, if you go, I like after having watched it, I came home and tried to watch as many interviews with Gareth Edwards and things of that nature and the different locations they went to to watch this. And like the panoramic views that I got to see were just epic. Um, were there a few things that you could punch holes in or not like if you wanted to? Fine. But the performances were excellent. Um, 
who uh what's her name um janie allison janie played uh um one of the colonels and she's excellent in in such a just from knowing her from like i think the mom series or something like that on cbs or whatever and and having this serious role is and it's just it's an epic of a movie but it does have some humor in it to kind of only make it more realistic honestly because there's always some kind of humor in life and then uh madeline voiles or uh, the whoever plays alpha alfie the girl um is gonna win win an oscar for this it's amazing what she does alongside john david washington so it's it's awesome guys it really is it's fucking really good cool dave what have you been watching um i think uh like i said i'm still watching the wheel of time i don't know how, how's julie like in season two pat I haven't even started it dude uh, I haven't even started. <laughs> uh, and I started watching on uh, Netflix has got a new limited docuseries Encounters, um, which, you know, with the UFOs being such a big deal, this is kind of looking at uh, that whole phenomenon and, you know, talking about some well-known trying to find some explanations to some well-known documented stuff like the lights in Texas in 2008 or I think in the 90s uh, school, 60 kids in a Zimbabwe school all saw this UFO and saw an alien and they were brought in and, and asked to describe it. And when you get kids who don't know what everybody else is saying, describing the same thing, you got to start asking some questions. So that's a, it's a pretty interesting series. Um, That's kind of what I've been watching lately. Nice. I binge watched with a little O'Dowd, the new Castlevania Nocturne anime series. That kid did not expect him to eat that up. But we, he came in on episode three. Like I was like watching it on my own, and I was enjoying it. Like I was like, oh, it's fun. It's Castlevania. It's a brand new anime series that, uh, or at least it's an anime style of series. They, um, you know, use famous British known voice actors and, and that sort of stuff. But uh, he comes watching it and he was like, what is this? And I was like, well, it's Castlevania. It's based on a series of video games, a very famous series of video games. And he was like, oh, I like this. And so we watched all eight episodes of the first season, maybe even the first half of the season uh, in this weekend. Like, like, so we've already consumed that. And then we also uh, been watching a lot of stuff with a little O'Dowd lately. We also watched season, episode one of season four of Lego Masters, the Lego building uh, reality series on Fox uh, competition. This year, the uh, the grand prize is a little bit different for the, the Lego Masters that win. They not only win a cash prize like they have in the past, they also, their final build, whatever their final build is that wins, is going to be turned into a Lego set uh, that people can purchase. So, uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, first uh, first episode was uh, was was solid. Wasn't really hard to figure out who was, uh, who was going home as the... Uh, the team that went home completely froze and wasn't actually able to really put together a huge, a uh, good build. So anyway, that's what we've been watching. We'll all be watching Loki season two, episode one, as well as Ahsoka season one, episode eight. And we'll be reviewing both of those next week, be a little bit of a double stuffed episode of bandwagon nerds in terms of show reviews. Uh, I hope everybody loves it. I know we're all looking forward to it. Very intrigued by what we're going to see out of season two of Loki, uh, because the last we saw of those characters was in a 
screen uh, a movie tag uh, post credit scene in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Minion. So be looking for that, everyone. Uh, we're gonna get out of here, but before we before we wrap it, like we always do, let's take a quick once around the bandwagon. Tell everybody where they can find you out there in the socials. This week we will start with uh, Mr. PC Tony, Mr. Saturday Night. Go see the creator and go see it on you know 3d or screen x or 40x or imax because i'm telling you right now it will be not only nominated for multiple oscars it will win multiple oscars this year and it is a really really job well done by not just the director but um on the music side and all the actors as well so it and it and it's just a very 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 apropos topic of the day uh you can follow me at pc tunny all over social media and make sure you're listening to everything chair shot radio network on all of your favorite streaming platforms david ungar dogs, dogs, are, saying do- dog, dogs are upset about approved. something dogs um, approved dogs approved dog approved yeah hold on okay you guys knock that off all right you might have to come back to me pat you can they're set they're sad Tunny's done on the show. Yeah, they, they are. They're like, where's our Uncle Tunny at? <laughs> Still too. Now, you can find me on, I don't know what's going on, on X Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Threads at Attitude of Aggression, all one word. And, of course, Tunny th- thought I'd forget because of the dogs. If we pissed you off, send your hate tweets on X to at It's Me DPP. Right, Tony? Why, why? Exactly. Fuck that guy. You know what I heard? I heard he hates dogs. They heard that, no, too. They heard that, too. DP. That's why. I heard DP hates dogs. He does have multiple cats. Really? He's not. It's just, see, that's why the dogs are all riled up. You knew we were talking about DP. Look, they got quiet. They were like, that fucker. Uh, you can follow me on the X Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can also follow me under that same handle on Instagram and Threads, where I will be going the second Elon Musk starts charging me to write Facebook statuses. I'm getting out of there. As soon as he starts charging me the monies, I'm done. Done like dinner. The Bandwagon Nerds Twitter feed will also go to Threads in some way, shape, or form the second Elon Musk starts charging us. So follow us at Bandwagon Nerds as well. What, what's up? What you got there, buddy? Do we got to get there? We got to get there? Uh, we we might have to. I don't know when, Love but it. at some point, I think we're going to have to go to Threads once Elon starts charging us because fuck that guy. Uh, he and DP are like best friends. We'll start That's sending, you. Send your hate tweets to at Elon Musk. <laughs> I, and these, are, these are just things I've heard and cannot confirm but believe them to be fact. I'm like a Trump supporter. Anyway. Uh, enough politics there. Follow the show. That's going to do it for this week's ed- edition of Bandwagon Nerds. So make sure you get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, enjoy some fall weather, check out the creator in theaters, and come back to listen to us talk Loki and Ahsoka season one finale. This has been Bandwagon Nerds. It's part of the Chairshot Radio Network here on the Chairshot.com.
Pharaoh. Don't go. Don't go. I'm here. I'm here. It's okay. It's okay. Look for the force. True. You will always find me. Force is with me. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. And I'm one with the force. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.